Welcome to the Navigating Cancer Together podcast. My name is Talea Dendi. I am a 10-year cancer thriver, cancer doula, and owner of On the Other Side. I use my experience to help others get on the other side of cancer. This podcast is about sharing stories, resources, and information about all things related to cancer and wellness. I interview guests from all walks of life who are living with cancer, caregivers, and those who made it on the other side. Also, I talk with organizations, healthcare professionals, and experts in the health and wellness spaces who offer complementary and integrative care. Join me. We are in this together. Hello, and welcome to Navigating Cancer Together. My name is Talea Dindy, and today our very special guest is Melissa Buffalo. Melissa is an enrolled member of the Meskwaki Nation in Iowa and Dakota from the Crow Creek and Lower Bruel Sioux Tribes. She received her undergraduate degree in child psychology from the University of Minnesota, Twin Cities. She also earned an MS in human development from South Dakota State University. Melissa has over 15 years of experience working in the public health sector in a variety of different roles. She brings a wealth of knowledge to American Indian Cancer Foundation. As the CEO, Melissa is committed to working with and for tribal communities, both rural and urban, supporting our indigenous people with opportunities to heal emotionally, historically, spiritually, and physically from the burdens of cancer. Melissa, thank you so much. It's a pleasure having you here with us today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here and share the work that we do here at the American Indian Cancer Foundation. Thank you. Thank you so much, Melissa, for your time. So let's just dive right in. Melissa, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So I would like to, you know, and you did thank you again for that wonderful introduction. And Mm -hmm. I always like to introduce myself in um, my Dakota Lakota language. So um, I'm Pituashte Tanyawahi. Melissa Buffalo, Imachi Apie, Michinchanum, Yunke, Kanji Wakpa, Oyangena, Meskwaki, Hematahan. So I just said in Lakota, um, good afternoon and welcome. My name is Melissa Buffalo. I am a mother of two. I'm an enrolled member of the Meskwaki Nation. I'm also Dakota from the Crow Creek and Lower Brosu tribes. Thank you so much. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the work too that we're doing, and, you know, as a Native organization, in the work that you know our staff do and the commitment we have to our tribal nations you know also honoring the land that we're on and you know joining you from Minneapolis we are on the Dakota land and so also you know up not too far up north is our Anishinaabe relative so being thankful to be on this land and to be speaking with you today from these sacred lands thank you so much and i love the way you introduced yourself so thank you the first time I heard you give that introduction, it really spoke to it, it. really spoke to me, and I thought, what a wonderful way to honor your land and your ancestors. Um, so thank you, and thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah, always excited to are thankful to to bring those opportunities and you know help others learn about you know the land we're on and what we're doing and why we're doing it. So great. 
Can you please share your personal connection to cancer and how it has shaped the approach to the work that you do? Yeah, great question. Um, and I always preface like, I always preface and you know, the trainings I give and the opportunities to speak that, you know, I speak from my heart and oftentimes I have to check where my emotions are. And when I speak about the work that I do, because it's not just professional, right? I am a tribal member. I am a mother. Um, I'm a mother who lost her mom um, when my son was two months old. And to carry that pain and that healing. Um, and so I look at the, the cancer burdens that have not only impacted my family, but you know, my staff here, my board members, other family members, um, it can get emotional, right? And yeah. how do I channel that? And it's, you know, also a time to heal because it's important because I want to share my experience and that it resonates with others and that, you know, we're not alone and I don't always have to be in mourning or, you know, it's not always considered trauma, but I'm doing this work so that others don't necessarily have to experience this or how can I be a healthier, happier, you know, mom to my kids so that I don't pass away at a young age. I lost my mom when she was in her fifties, mm -hmm. you know, cancer, you know, hit fast and swift. And, you know, within three months she was gone and mm -hmm. it happened really fast and to not be home and be by her side sometimes is very triggering for me. And so I have to sometimes check where my emotions are because I would, might be crying and, um, and so I've gotten, you know, I've said that because I don't want to also feel like I'm here to make others feel bad or cry. This is the work we do. This is why we do it. There is a need. There are cancer burdens across Indian country. And, you know, losing my mom is one of the hardest things. But I look at others, you know, who didn't get to have 32 wonderful years with their mom, which I did. So thankful for that and the teachings and the lessons she gave me as a Dakota woman, um, you know, to say that like she and my dad also were alcoholics. They smoked, she smoked marble reds. You couldn't have any stronger tobacco <laughs> yeah. into her body, but then you look at the stress and the, the things she went through as a child and, you know, why we lean on these unhealthy behaviors and, um, to, you know, when my, when she passed and when she got sick, my dad went cold turkey with drinking and was smoking. Mm -hmm. And wow. to know that you just like, how does his body not go into shock? And, mm -hmm. you know, he's been sober. He's been commercial tobacco free for nine years, maybe more. Um, and it's beautiful, right? I think mm -hmm. the creator for my dad being here because he is a cancer survivor. He is a cancer patient. He will have a monthly shot until he decides he doesn't want it um, and his body can't handle it. And I look at my staff who have been impacted. Um, one of my staff's um, siblings went through cancer at a really young age and to be a survivor and to know that her journey, her cancer journey is always going to be with her. So how do we help others across Indian country be preventative in their healthcare to know when there's a cancer diagnosis that their community their healthcare clinic, their family have the resources, have the tools, have the words to support them in a culturally whole way, right? Mm -hmm. So that what your journey is about to be, you're not alone. Yes, yes. And 
I'd like to start off by saying, you know, I'm sorry about um, you losing your mother. And on the other hand, I'm happy that you still have your father with you and he's doing the best that he can. And he was able to get over some of the things that maybe weren't so healthy for him. So um, it's always tough though, whether you experience cancer yourself as a cancer patient survivor, or if you've lost a loved one or you've seen a loved one go through it, that stays with you. Mm-hmm. And I can really relate to what you said about being emotional um, because <laughs> people that I don't even know, if they pass away from cancer or if I hear that someone has cancer, it's like something just goes all through me mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, wow, you know, and you do, you, you do have those emotions because it is very triggering um, and mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how it impacted you. You still feel that when you hear that even a stranger, you know, has got that diagnosis or they've lost someone. So Mm -hmm. I can totally relate to that. Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Not awesome. (laughs) Right. It's, it's that being so sorry. That's my go-to word. (laughs) Being able to relate to another human is beautiful in that we're not alone. And so I'm, again, whether or not as a native person, native cancer survivor or not, like there are similarities in ways that we can all support one another. Mm -hmm. I think it's so important to have an organization like ACAF because um, there's so many misconceptions about um, native people and indigenous people. There's not a lot of education about, you know, your cultural beliefs and, and things like that. And so I think that having ACAF is so important. Tell us more about the organization and um, the work that you do there specifically. How do you help people in a holistic way where they can honor nature, honor their culture, Mm -hmm. and um, all of those different things? Yeah, and and I think what I love about the work we do, right, and why I'm so blessed and honored to lead this wonderful organization and have amazing staff is that we you know, ACAF really operates within the belief that our tribal nations have the wisdom and the solutions to address those cancer inequities, right? You know, sometimes, you know, oftentimes they might be seeking that organizational capacity, sometimes, you know, that expert input that's not cultural, but, you know, can be grounded in that or that systems knowledge um, and some of those resources, right? So, we support some of those community-based interventions, you know, that engage our community members, our leaders, our healthcare providers, those that work in the community um, to bring about effective cancer solutions. Um, and we also do this in a, in a way that builds upon that partnership, right? And that increases the capacity of tribal and urban communities to really improve the overall health of our community members and our relatives um, and that we can reduce those cancer burdens. Um, We can look at those barriers and we can find a way that, a collaborative way that we can, what is realistic for this community and will it work in another community? No, let's make adjustments. Let's, you know, lean in on their, their knowledge because this is their community this is their knowledge they have that knowledge and awareness and we do our best to raise that up Mm -hmm. Um, and we really focus on three key strategies to achieve our vision and mission so again how are we bringing attention to the cancer burdens and those solutions you know 
and, you know, and then two, how are we advancing capacity through training, technical assistance, and those culturally tailored resources? Mm-hmm. And then how do we identify solutions to cancer challenges? And we know that we do this in partnership with health departments, with larger healthcare systems, right? Mm-hmm. With with community organizations that might not think they have a role in addressing the cancer burdens or the preventative side, but it's like, how can we be innovative? And I think the pandemic has helped us, has pushed us to somewhat think innovative too, while dealing with a pandemic and wanting to protect our relatives during this, this unknown scary time that we're all facing. Mm-hmm. And, and that's such important work. I, I just love what you do there. You mentioned burdens. So what are some of the burdens that um, American Indians face? Yeah. Um, You know, what are, when we think about those burdens are those barriers and, you know, how we're trying to address those, um, you know, we're able to see that breast cancer, cervical cancer, that those rates are higher in our community. then there are things that play into that. And so we know that um, cancer in American Indian Alaska Natives is the number one cause of death for women followed by heart disease and unintentional injury. And then it's the number two cause of death for men, which one is heart disease and three is unintentional injury. Mm-hmm. And then we're able to see what are some of those most commonly diagnosed cancers for men and women or for male females. Um, we know that lung cancer is the leading cause of cancer death. And so we look at that burden of commercial tobacco use and why are we leaning on commercial tobacco use and how do we bring about change that? Yes, as native people, commercial tobacco use is high, say in the Northern Plains. We just got off a call with um, folks in North Carolina and talking about their their commercial tobacco use. And I say commercial because we have to also acknowledge the role that traditional tobacco plays in our community. And this week I got to be in some amazing conversations with experts and, you know, that are both our staff and consultants that bring about those conversations and our relationship to commercial tobacco or to traditional tobacco and the plant and, you know, the seed and how we plant it and how we grow it and harvest it. And, you know, what are those roles and that honoring of it and it was just Mm -hmm. such a beautiful thing to learn about it because I grew up knowing that I saw tobacco as smoking my parents you know and Mm -hmm. that it wasn't good and that I'm a secondhand smoker and it's like oh my god what is this doing to my body now that I'm 42 and like what is that unknown and and you know, from being 10 years old in a car with the windows rolled up and <laughs> cracked. Um, and then we also, you know, the, that burden too is looking at where, you know, we're looking at the cancer death rates for American Indian Alaska Native have increased over the last 20 years while decreasing for whites and other um, communities of color in the United States. So folks, you know, mm-hmm. are celebrating a decrease in those, in those trends where, American Indians, there's continues to be um, an increase in the in the um, cancer in being cancer diagnosis and the mortality. Um, you know, so we have an amazing cancer burden booklet that really breaks down our regions and looks at the different patterns. And so, you know, seeing what are the common cancers in Alaska? Are they yes. similar or different to those in the Southwest? Are they East Coast and 
you know, wanting to update those numbers. But then that's a burden in itself too, because oftentimes we're not included in the data. You know, we're seen as an asterisk because we didn't have a large enough population or count to be included in this data point or we're considered something else. Um, yes. <laughs> so that's a burden too. And how do we help ensure that we're in the conversation in that we don't have, if I can't be at the table or our staff or others, our other tribal leaders, how do we ensure that we have allies that will say, hey, American Indians are not in this. What do we need to do? Let's, you know, bring about that change. And so really seeing that as a burden in itself too, because then how do we know what those numbers are? How do we know what the data says and about us? That's so um, true. Yeah. A lot of great points there. And when you were talking, something came to mind. Um, and if you can, you know, address this as well. A lot of times in different communities, mental health is viewed as a stigma or it's not talked about at all. How does ACAF and then as well as the American Indian communities, how do they address mental health? Is that part of the care that is received? Can you go a little deeper? Mm -hmm. um, and so does ACAF um, have like any mental health providers that they can refer people to? Is that part of the um, cancer care um, that ACAF promotes? Yeah. So when we look at that, our health, right, the whole being, the wellness, and somebody said that yesterday, like mental health, um, is a common terminology, but what is the wellness of our people and bringing mm -hmm. that conversation forward? And I'm just like, I was like, that's a light bulb moment. Like, oh my God, that makes so much <laughs> sense. I'm going to use that. So not only do we provide resources that, you know, support the physical health of our cancer survivors, those in active treatment, you know, even bringing it into a clinical trial, but what is that emotional, spiritual, um, aspect of healing of health and um so when you say how do we address mental health I think that's where I was a little like oh how does it what does that look like versus like yeah the wellness of our people and yeah. ensuring that you have access to healthy foods to clean water you know to those medicines that might be Tylenol or you know traditional tobacco and being able to smudge being able to go to ceremony and putting out prayers and offerings and thoughts to feel well. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I hope that answers your question. That that does. Yes, that does. I know a lot of times um, in all, a lot of different communities, when we talk about cancer, mental health is often overlooked, but to me, they're intertwined. Oh, yeah. um, because cancer definitely affects <laughs> your mental health, you know, some people more than others, but th there's still that impact of it. So thank you for answering that, that question. I want to take it back um, to traditional tobacco. Can mm -hmm. you please educate the audience on um, what that looks like um, for American Indians? Because a lot of people may not be aware of um, how tobacco has been used for spiritual reasons or cer ceremonial reasons. So I think that would be yeah. helpful. So again, we look at that commercial tobacco as um, what is 
the plant that's been altered, that's been harvested, prepared and used for inhaling, for smoking, right? Um, mm-hmm. And then we look at traditional tobacco as a plant, as medicine. And, you know, it's not inhaled, it's not smoked. It's something we offer back to the land, to our earth, or we offer it to a friend and we pray. Um, and so when we think about that, that use of, you know, when we use our traditional words, chanshasha um, in Dakota or asema in Ojibwe, um, you know, it's, or we look at sage and sweetgrass and we use it to smudge and we, you know, we burn it and offer it to cleanse our body, to cleanse those around us. And, you know, being around others when you're smudging or praying and just the connectedness that we have as native people to be able to have the ability to use this because there was a time when traditional tobacco was not allowed or other you know ceremonies within our people and it took a policy to bring it back that we could practice our traditional ways and so it I think there are those keepers and those knowledge keepers that have had this information and to be able to know that you like how do you speak about it because it wasn't allowed and so now to see this abundance or maybe it's always been there and it's just more around me now that we can learn about those plants right we can learn about the medicines and how we see it in a healing way versus uh an opportunity to smoke and impact our health in a negative way Mm -hmm. thank you for explaining that i just think that it's you know, so important for the audience to have that education as well. Um, So thank you. That makes a lot of sense to me. And like you said, being able to honor your traditions, but then also finding that balance where it's um, not done in a way that it can harm you or harm your health. So very important. Yes. So can you please tell me about some of the barriers that tribal nations face in accessing cancer screenings. You and I both know that those cancer screenings are really the first step or maybe the second step after education, but those cancer screenings are so important in catching cancer early and really saving lives. So what have been some of the barriers that you've seen um, for American Indians? Yeah, I think there's there's two two ways we can look at this, right? What are those individual barriers to prevention and to care? And then what are those community and system levels? Um, and then to just feel overwhelmed and you're like, oh my God, these are the barriers working against me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, what is low awareness of cancer risk, right? Do we have enough information out there to raise awareness and education on the importance of cancer prevention, and these are your risks, right? Like um, lack of regular physical activity, knowing your family history, you know, that mistrust in the healthcare system, which, you know, again, that community and system level, Mm -hmm. um, do you have access to diet or food that is high, um, or that's, you know, high in fiber, fresh fruits, vegetables, where do you live? Are you in a rural community? And, you know, a lot of times some of our reservations are, are, are not considered rural, but frontier, which is an even yes. more impact of beyond being rural. Um, 
you know, low awareness of those screening options, you know, even for me, sometimes I'm like, wait, what is the age for this? Remind myself, like, what does the USTSPS say? (laughs) Um, And are those realistic for everybody? They might be realistic for the majority of the community or the United States or the world, but is that a reality for American Indians? Is it? And so I look at, you know, I have two aunties that are breast cancer survivors that were both diagnosed in their late forties and is 45 realistic to know we should start screening versus, Hey, I have a concern at 30. Is my insurance even going to cover it? Um, Is there distrust of the medical system and research? Um, Research can be a very touchy subject um, for many um, communities of color, not just American Indians. Mm -hmm. Um, And so to like balancing that Western science, Western medicine um, and building up knowledge on health and what that is and that access to it. Um, Another individual barrier I think is a big one is that fear of those screening tests and those results. Sometimes it's like, nope, not even going to think about it. Like I'd rather the unknown and that's that anxiety, right? Like Mm -hmm. I feel something, but nope, just going to ignore it. Um, And then what are those health beliefs that may conflict um, with prevention practices, right? Like again, nope, if I go get a cancer screening, then I'm going to have cancer. Um, So how do we remove those barriers and how do we address those in a way that is real and effective? Um, And so that's why we really do do this work in partnership with our communities. So those were some of the individual Mm -hmm. barriers. And so when we look at that community and system level, you know, underfunded urban and tribal health systems, we know that the Indian Health Service is set up for primary care and not so much preventative care. So how are we working with, you know, folks at that federal level within DC, the regional heads, like how are we helping them to see this need to be preventative in healthcare, but also knowing that there's so many X amount of dollars that are designated to Indian Health Service, um, not even under, not just underfunded, but over under capacity. Do we have yes. clinic staff that can work to remind, have a reminder system? Are there folks in the clinic that can talk about screening options, reminders, little conversations that necessarily don't have to be with the nurse and the provider? Mm-hmm. Those high rates of poverty. If you're in day-to-day mode or in poverty, you're probably not thinking about breast cancer or screening um and to think you have to take care of yourself and then do you have kids do you have a family do you have a grandparent or a parent you're trying to take care of as well as native people we often live in multi-generational homes you know I look at my little sister that has two kids of her own and my dad lives with her so ensuring that he's always taken care of and I think we don't realize caring for adults is way different than caring for a newborn and that worry um or access to health care due to low rates of health insurance um you know we have those conversations are we in a state that has expanded medicaid um so one it's that thought like right cool i'm ready for this cancer screening like yes. how many people say that but then it's like here's door one are you do you have insurance here's door two how do you have a ride is somebody going to take care of your kids like so we look at our patient navigators and you know how are we navigating folks through 
sometimes a really messy set of doors to get through the room to screen my breast and that's scary and that's mm-hmm. a lot and so then you just give up right so it's like yeah. I don't have time for this yes so how do we help our clinics and our communities to really remove and reduce those barriers and sometimes it's not as an easy fix um and those are the conversations we have um a limited availability of prevention programs you know, we look at those drop in screenings due to the pandemic. It, it scares me and makes, not scares me, but mm-hmm. like, what are those numbers? What are those rates going to look like in two to five years for our relatives across Indian country that are 45, 60, you know, and we could all say we're being healthy. And that's the scary thing with cancer. Like mm-hmm. if it's not a screenable cancer, like how do I be how do you know? active? Mm-hmm. <laughs> where I, you know, I'm comfortable. I love my provider and I'm always like, just check me what's going on. <laughs> like, but that's also being an advocate and I work in this every day, right? right? Versus somebody who doesn't and how do we help? And it, so some days it's, it can feel overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so again, being able to understand both individual and community and system level barriers. That's, that's an excellent point because it is, twofold and sometimes trifold, um, there are so many different things to consider that most of us that have access to healthcare and all of these different things, we take those things for granted. Like you said, just something as simple as having a ride or having transportation to get to a screening. Um, So all of those different things play a part and there is a lot to unpack um, there with everything that you've shared and that's why we need people like you and ACAF to do the amazing work that you do to, to really help people and um, let them know that they're not alone, that, hey, we have some resources, education, and all those different things to help you start to take those steps to get the screenings that you need. So thank you for all of that. And they're all great points and very valid. Well, I'm very thankful we can share this information and to have a conversation with you. So thank you as well. Absolutely. Finally, Melissa, um, based on all the things that you've just shared with us, um, there is such a need for different campaigns and things like that. What are some cancer awareness campaigns that you're currently working on with ACAF? Yeah, we, my staff are amazing. They do some wonderful, innovative, creative campaigns that really you know, support our communities and meet them where they're at. Um, Right now we're finishing up November, which is Lung Cancer Awareness Month. And, you know, we call this month Sacred Breath Awareness Month, right? Being able to honor our lungs, to to think about breath and, and, you know, the opportunity, the privilege, the the air we breathe in, where are we? and so this year we did our first um, collaboration with a with um, Red Earth Running Company and, you know, two as a, a nonprofit organization, you know, we also do fundraising. So how do we build that in within our campaigns to raise funds to really support our tribal communities and to raise awareness and educate on um, the importance of screenings on survivorship. And so we held our first, um, which is ending tomorrow, Sacred Breath Run. So, you know, we really wanted to encourage 
everyone across Indian country and our allies to walk, run, jog, skip <laughs> a, a mile, a 5K, a 10K, a half marathon. And, you know, I think social media has really shown how many Native runners there are across Indian country. So seeing how many folks have signed up for those six miler and 13 miles, but then, you know, those that aren't part of it every day can walk a mile with their loved ones. And, you know, we had over, we have 300 runners, I believe, um, registered for this run. And it's exciting. It's, it it just makes me love the work we do, right? And Mm -hmm. and the work we're doing and the alignment we have with a running company, right? And the impact that um, Dirk and Lanise, the two co-founders, the connections they have to cancer and what they want to do as parents and be and be around for their loved ones and their their grandchildren down the road um and so too as we look at sacred breath also again that importance of the difference between commercial and um traditional tobacco what are our lung screening options you know are you a smoker how do we you know bring about that um that screening option um, right now we are planning for January, which is Cervical Cancer Awareness Month. Our campaign is um, Turquoise Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the past we've done things as a happy hour to be able to normalize conversations of getting a pap, you know, knowing that there's a procedure um, with your vagina and having that comfort <laughs> and saying and normalizing that because sometimes you're like, oh, can I say that? You know, I know. I thought about that. Um, and, you know, March is colorectal cancer awareness month. What is that procedure and conversations we've been having lately is like for men. And we look at to the, the historical trauma or say boarding school, we look at mm. so many of our, our grandfathers and uncles and that generation that attended boarding school. And what was the physical and sexual abuse of these men by staff priests nuns in the boarding school and then to think you're 60 70 and I'm like go get a colonoscopy and to have that Mm -hmm. sensitive topic in that procedure and as a doctor you may not think about that like you're probably not taught you're not taught you're not taught that in med school Mm -hmm. and so how do we work not only with communities but providers and clinic systems to think about those conversations and that connection to staff that are native, you know, coming from the reservation to receive treatment and being sensitive in that. And that's something didn't even, you know, I didn't even think about five years ago. Um, And so, yeah, so, you know, we do though, you know, those are some of our bigger campaigns. Indigenous Pink Breast Cancer Awareness Month is our biggest and largest um, campaign. And it's wonderful to see clinics and communities across the nation kind of hold their own events, you know, make Mm -hmm. their own t-shirts, do awareness walks. Um, And, you know, too, like, how do we help males encourage females to get um, breast Mm -hmm. cancer? screenings right and then last year we talked about like all bodies have breast tissue Mm -hmm. um you know and according to data we know that females have more fatty tissue there so they're more likely to um have a cancer diagnosis so how do we be preventative and how can we normalize that conversation and that procedure as well um so yeah a lot of amazing campaigns that you know aim to raise awareness to educate and to get our loved ones screened for specific cancers at an early stage. 
That's so important. And you, again, you mentioned a lot of great points about um, why people may be afraid to get those screenings and educating the folks that work in the healthcare system as well about different things that different communities and people in different cultures have experienced that may be preventing them from getting the care that they need. So I love that you mentioned that. That's so important. The the last thing that I want to ask you, um, and then I'll get into a couple of um, a little more personal questions before we wrap up here that I ask all my guests, but what is something that you want the listeners out there to know about ACAF that they may not know? That's a good question. What is something we want folks to know about ACAF? Um, that as a national nonprofit that, you know, our, I look at the vision and mission and, you know, we believe in it. And that is what keeps all of us going. Cause sometimes these conversations are heavy and sometimes it's emotional, right? But we really mm-hmm. do do our best to reclaim indigenous health and to really emphasize that and that belief and that we are healing with culture and that it is a beautiful thing and that our culture is healing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. That's so important is to be able to, to hold on to your culture and share that from generation to generation. Um, because in these times, a lot of times that gets lost. Mm-hmm. And so keeping that at the forefront is so important. And I just want to applaud ACAF for, for doing that. Um, I can't stress that enough. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. And so the two questions that I ask all my guests, the first one is, what is something that you have learned in life, Melissa, that you would like to share with the audience? Oh, that's, that's deep. <laughs> um. Oh man, that I think lately, I feel like, you know, and laughter is medicine. And I look at our experiences as Native people and the traumas we can carry, that it doesn't have to define us that, right? Like I could have this trauma or that trauma of being raised in an alcoholic home. And I love when I have a staff call me out, like, Melissa, your traumas aren't going to define you today. And it's beautiful because then we can laugh, right? And we can know that I'm doing my best to be a better mom, the best mom, and that my mom in that moment did her best, right? With what she had and what she was given. And it doesn't make her any less because, you know, she had these, you know, I was addicted to alcohol, like, no, so yes, yeah, so thinking about our traumas do not define us. I love that. And that's so important. And we've all been through something in life, especially if we've lived long enough. <laughs> we have experienced some form of trauma. And just being able to, to be aware when we feel that popping up and to say, nope, that's not going to define us. So I love that. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm going to implement that into my practice too and say, catch myself okay to land nope that doesn't define you (laughs) it's a it's a mindset and it works it's Mm -hmm. yeah it's beautiful you have to let me know how that goes (laughs) I definitely will (laughs) and then the final question is what is next for ACAF and you as well if you'd like to share anything 
Yeah. Um, I think ACAP continued to expand our reach and, you know, our footprint as a national organization. We know there are so many wonderful organ sister organizations, um, communities, tribal nations that do this work. And we're just always here to help and possibly fill a need to fill a gap. And, you know, we also do our best to know if a tribe wants to apply for this funding or do this work, like we're here to help. Like we want you to, you know, as a national, not native national nonprofit, like we want the tribes to, to lead this work. And we're just here to, to be a support in that, you know, as we continue to expand and our reach and our services. Um, and then for me, I'm just so honored to be in this role. Um, again, I look at how I was raised and what goals I did or didn't set. And, you know, when you function in, crisis, you don't have time to think ahead. And so again, changing that mindset for myself and my kids and, you know, everything I do is because of my kids. So for me, it's just always wanting to learn from today to do better tomorrow. Mm, I love that. And again, a lot of great points is just slowing down and saying, hey, you know, let me get out of survival mode and really look at my life and see what it is that I would like to have for myself and my children and family. So thank you for sharing that. And before we end, Melissa, where can people, people find out more about ACAF? Ooh, yay. Wonderful question. We are <laughs> across social media. We love our social media toolkits. Um, you can just, you know, look up American Indian Cancer Foundation on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, Instagram. My staff keep trying to convince me we need a TikTok. Uh -oh. <laughs> so who knows? Maybe TikTok. Um, and then we have a wonderful website, AmericanIndianCancer.org, and we have wonderful resources that are downloadable. We want folks to use our resources, and you can also find our, you know, our contact information. Thank you for sharing that. And audience, make sure you check out ACAF and their website. They have a lot of great resources, a lot of great information. And so all of that is out there for you. And please share it with others as well. Melissa, I want to thank you again so much for sharing so much wonderful information with us and um, your, your wonderful introduction. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Talela. You're welcome. You're welcome. And that is it for this Wednesday. I like, to give a, <laughs> I like to give a shout out to the listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, let's keep navigating cancer together. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Navigating Cancer Together. I hope you enjoyed it. Please be sure to subscribe. And if you appreciate the show, drop a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. For notes from the show, visit ontheotherside.life and check out the podcast section. After you check out the show notes, head over to my gift shop and show yourself or someone special in your life some love with gifts of encouragement, hope, and positive affirmations. I would love it if you joined us for the next episode. Talk to you soon.